the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul has touched on the struggles of the Christian life, the preeminence of Christ, and prayer, which now all come to a head as we look at what it means to be in Christ. Um, and all the benefits which flow from it. Today we, are, we will be in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6-23. to So open up your Bibles or look on the screen as we read aloud together from God's holy, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative Word from Colossians 2, verses 6-23. to This is the Word of the Lord. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the wholeness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to the festival or the new Sabbath moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows the growth that is formed. It is with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, please, 
please open our hearts and our minds that we may know You. Father, please work in us so that we, we may see You in, this, in Your Word. That we may understand it and we may apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Children whose parents desire for them to attend Stepping Stones are now dismissed. As many of you know, I am a huge fan of the Baltimore Orioles. Yet, even though in my lifetime they've only been to three league championships, never won any, <clears throat> and they've never seen a World Series since the early 80s. As a fan, I watch their games, I look at the stats, I'll read articles about the players and the organization. I'll celebrate when they win, which for many years wasn't very often. And even this year, as they get close to the playoffs, I still will cheer them on as, as hard as I can. But as much of a fan of them as I am, I will never be part of the Baltimore Orioles organization. I will always be on the outside looking in. I will only ever reap secondary benefits rather than the tangible benefits that you can have by being a member of the baseball team or of the organization as a whole. There is a dividing wall that cannot be breached as long as you are just a fan. The same is true with our passage this morning. You can know Christians. You can attend church. You can attend Sunday school, youth group, anything like care groups or small groups. But if you are not a Christian, or in other words, if you are not in Christ, you do not have the benefits or any of the positive repercussions that come from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Anything you have is a secondary cause if you are not in Him. Not what God has directly given by His grace for salvation from sin and life in Him. Many times, even if you are in Christ, you don't even realize what God has given to you. Whether you are a new believer or a seasoned saint, we forget what Christ has given to the family of God by His sacrifice on the cross for sin, His resurrection from the dead three days later. For if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of God, you have life. You have been made full. And you have peace all because Christ is sufficient for all things. Today in our passage of Colossians 2, Paul gets to the heart of this epistle. His main point in writing the entire letter. Meaning he is focusing on what it all means to be, have benefits of believing in Christ. Being in Him. Everything before from verses 1-1 all the way to chapter 2, verse 5, all of that is building up to what we see here in our passage today. And greater explanation of what it means to be in Christ all comes after that. So before we dive into our verses today, let's review the first section of this epistle. In the first chapter and a little bit into the second, Paul can't stop thanking God for the gospel. That it is bearing fruit in the Colossians. And then Paul, he then prays that this would continue. In all of Paul's letters, he was constantly praying for believers. And specifically, he was praying that they would understand what God was doing and that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and bear fruit pleasing to the Lord. That they would grow in their knowledge of Jesus as being the only Savior of sinners. 
because of the love and the grace of God the Father. In light of all this, Paul calls the Colossians to live in Christ. To live the Christian life. A life according to God's Word. And to walk and to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. For this Gospel they have received, they were like everyone. These Colossians, they were sinners like us who have broken the law of God and in need of salvation, which cannot come from themselves only by the grace of God in which He sent Jesus, the Son, to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to be raised to life again to the glory of God the Father. All that who believe in Him then will have eternal life. No matter who were they were before, whether rich or poor, married, single, any type of background you may have, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul sums up this whole gospel message in three words. Christ Jesus, well, it's four words. Christ Jesus the Lord. The Savior that God sent is Christ. Promised Messiah back from Genesis 3. That the Savior is Jesus, born as the prophets foretold. And that He is God Himself. And many of the Colossians, they did trust in the Lord. So Paul wrote this letter to help them know how to live in Christ. How to go forward after becoming a Christian. How to walk and how to grow. How to give thanks to the Lord. He reminds them here in verse 6 at the beginning of our passage that they received Christ Jesus the Lord. A free offer of the Gospel. Meaning that they were not only able to understand the Gospel, but they heard the Gospel call by the grace of God. That by God's sovereignty, He enabled the Colossians to have faith in Christ. Or in other words, that He regenerated them so they could call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Now this word received, it conveys more than we often so we so often hear in Christian circles. A lot of times we hear the phrase just ask Jesus into your heart and you will be saved, rather than what we see taught in scripture of admitting your sin, asking for forgiveness, asking the Lord to save you, seeking to follow after him in the power of the spirit. This word received, it, can, can, it conveys so much more than that oft-used phrase, even when it's confessed as a child. This word conveys acknowledgement, understanding, acceptance, and humility. It is given by the grace of God, salvation is, by the power of His Spirit, and even the faith that we have is given by God as a gift. A faith that has a rejection of easy believism, that salvation can be earned by our works, an acknowledgement of the depth of Christ's sacrifice, and a desire to be sanctified, changed into the image of Christ. For as we see now in our passage, Paul wanted the Colossians who had the gospel preached to them by Epaphras to have a solid foundation to build their faith upon. Which is why he spent the last chapter and a half and specific words in this first verse to lay a foundation. 
to lay a foundation for them to see the need to grow in their solid faith. We see this in how Paul ends verse 6 with walk in Him. But what does that mean? It's a Christian Easter term that we use a lot nowadays. Your Christian walk. Your walk with Christ. But this is one of the places in Scripture where it's found. Where it originates from. Paul is saying to the Colossians, since you know Jesus as your Savior, obey His Word. Or in other words, do what God's Word says. Walk the walk. Talk the talk. Live out what you see in Scripture. Knowing that you can only do so with the aid of the Holy Spirit. As he clearly points out in his other epistles, like Ephesians 6, when he spends so much of that chapter explaining how we are to walk in this world with the armor of God, prepared to do battle with the spiritual forces of evil, living a righteous and correct life in a society that celebrates sin and evil. This is the calling of those in Christ, enabled by His Spirit to live in Him. So if you are a follower of Christ, this is not just a command to the Colossians. It is a command to you as well. You are not only to know the Gospel, you must walk according to its ways, live according to its ways, even when we don't like it. Even when living according to God's Word is hard. Even when it creates problems in your social life, in your family life, in your relationships at work or school. For the Bible is not just a collection of history, prophecy, and letters. It is the very Word of God. God's Word meant for His people to obey, no matter their feelings on it, no matter their ideas or cultural views on it. God's Word transcends them. God's Word commands us to live a life according to what God desires of us, which is what we see in Scripture, and not just our fleeting desires. This is a high calling, to be sure. A holy calling and a correct calling. But we also see in Scripture that walking in Him will not always be easy. But we must persevere, for that is what God calls us to do. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Persevere in the same way in which ye have begun. And as the first, sorry, and at, and as at the first, Christ Jesus was the source of your life, the principle of your action, the joy of your spirit. So let Him be the same till life's end. The same which you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and enter into the joy and rest which remain for the people of God. In this quote and in all of Scripture, we see that His calling, that Christ's calling to, is for us to walk in Him. And it is not done alone. As the term in Christ indicates. We see that God the Father sent His Spirit to live in His people, to aid them, to guide them in the path of righteousness. Just as He changed your heart to desire Him, He saved you from sin, gave you faith. We also see in verse 7, He points out, He builds you up. He roots you. He establishes you in faith so that you truly will know Him. What He has done 
and how much He loves you. So that you may understand who He is and what He's done and apply that love, apply that knowledge by growing in faith, by depending on Him daily. For God not only desires His people to know Him, but have a desire to grow in Him and trust in Him. But how do you grow in faith in Christ? By being in His Word and trusting in Him to provide. And by being in His Word, I mean not only reading His Word, but meditating on His Word. Something that is a spiritual discipline that a lot of us have gotten away from. Truly reflecting on what God has done. As we seek commanded in Scripture. Seeking to understand the love of God that He has shown us. And what a passage means in its original context, as well as how it applies to ourselves. Being willing to spend time dedicated in prayer and reading to seek the will of God. Not just a few minutes here and there. Not that we shouldn't be praying and reading here and there. For we see in Scripture in Philippians 4 that we are to come before the Lord with all kinds of prayers and requests. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, we see we are commanded to come before God constantly in prayer. But a dedicated time in prayer helps us understand and bring into focus what God's Word says. And while growing in that knowledge, we must apply it by trusting in God at all times, in all circumstances, no matter how hard or how counterintuitive it is. For this is a way which we are to grow. And some of what we must thank God for. For there is so much to thank God for. For in Christ... We have been given life. He has given you a new life. A life which is to be holy, or in other words, to be set apart for God. A life that is lived to the glory of God. A life that has been redeemed from sin. Redeemed from despair to joy and to peace. A life forgiven of your sin and the sin of Adam. A life that you can be thankful for. Which is what the last part of verse 7 commands. To give thanks to God overflowing with thankfulness that He has given you. For your salvation is not your own. It hits ham- ha- is hammered harder in here. You were bought with a price. For God saved you from eternal torment in hell. He has given you new life. A new eternal life in heaven. A life which will be constantly reminding you of the grace that God has given you. That He has shown you by the love that He has for you. For if you are in Christ, He has given you a life. A life that you must continually praise God and be thankful for. Therefore, sing praises to Him as we do this morning. Sing praises to Him in your daily life. Thank Him in prayer. For that should be an aspect of our daily prayer to be thanking God before we come to Him with requests. For the love of God that He bestows are because we are in Him. Yet Paul, he does not end there. For Christ does not only give you life, in Christ you're also made full. One of my favorite illustrations is from the philosopher Blaise Pascal. 
which he looks at what it means for the human condition, the sin condition. He stated that because of sin, we have a hole in our soul. And that we are desperately trying to fill it with all that we can get our hands on. From money, relationships, good grades, promotions, cars, new phones, anything that will make us happy. Anything that we think will make us complete. Getting whatever we want just to have a fleeting moment so that we don't have that insensatiable desire for something more. Something that we can't fully grasp. Something that makes us happy. No, no, more than happy. Something that makes us full and complete and satisfied. Pascal stated that this hole was a Jesus-shaped hole that can only be filled by Him. That by Jesus' death on the cross, His sacrifice for sin, the grace that God gave fills that hole in your soul. So that unlike everything since the Garden of Eden, followers of Jesus will be complete and be in Him. Renewed, restored, and satisfied. This is the idea Paul is trying to convey in verse 8. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. In verse 8, Paul is stating that we cannot be full or be satisfied if we only rely on worldly ideas like humanistic philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, a belief in yourself as we see in all of media now these days. Each and every one of these ideas have built into their foundation that a human being has something innate in themselves. Something that makes us able, to borrow from Pascal, to fill that hole, to fill that emptiness that is crying out to be filled by something outside of us, something that we cannot earn, something that we cannot even get by ourselves, something we've been searching for for our entire lives, but in the wrong place. It is so common For people in our culture today to be spiritual. To want to seek some type of deity. To commune with Mother Nature. To seek a higher understanding of everything. So that they may attain some type of knowledge. So they can have peace. Yet this list goes on and on and on. But all of these different type of spiritualness are aimed with the wrong idea and aimed at the wrong direction. For there can be no internal peace and fulfillment outside of Christ. No no philosophical knowledge attained. No communing with nature. No seeking gods, gods of our own creation will fill that emptiness. All because of our sin. If you are a Christian and you do have spiritual people in your life, I encourage you, have gospel conversations with them and seek them out to share the gospel with them. Show how Jesus does satisfy. That the the filling that they want, that completeness that they want, they're seeking it in the wrong place. Ask questions. Give gospel-focused answers. Yet at the same time, if you are a follower of Christ, don't be so 
don't be so big in the head that you think you will not fall into the same idea as well. Remember that we too can be tempted by searching for things outside of Christ. That is why it's so important to be in prayer with Him, by reading His Word, by communing with Him, talking to Him. For Satan, he is cunning. He is crafty. He knows our weaknesses and he exploits them. Paul wrote verse 8 to warn Christians of the temptation of these things. It's not just a warning for the Colossians. And it's not just a warning for new believers. But anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. We must seek Him. We must seek His face. It's not like philosophy and nature or even intellectual knowledge are bad things. But when we replace them with what, who God is and what He commands us to do, we, rep- we make them our God instead of God Himself. Be on guard, Christian. Do not be taken captive. Do not be deceived by the empty lies of Satan. For Christ gives you the only true fulfillment, the only true satisfaction, and the only true peace that can be known if you are in Him. Paul, after warning the Colossians, reminds them of why Jesus makes you full and satisfied. And so that there's no confusion, we see verses 9-15, to which say this, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the, uh, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us uh, all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Basically, what we see here is Paul giving a short but very theologically packed lesson on who Jesus is. That Jesus is fully God, as we see in verse 9. That not only is Jesus fully God, but by being fully God, He can fill you and renew you and give you peace. For He is the ruler of all, as we see in verse 10. That nothing outside of his, is outside of His domain. Jesus being God took part in creation. And therefore, He is the King of all things, seen and unseen. For He is their Creator and Master and able to do with everything that He sees fit according to His will. His perfect, unchanging will. 
And it is by His will, as we see in verses 10 to 15, that He is able to, that He desires to save His people from their sin by sending Jesus to fill the emptiness and longing. Which He does so by sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And that is important for us to remember. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Not Jesus who lives in you. For if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And it is by His Spirit He is sanctifying you, changing you, transforming you to be like Christ. Not to the patterns of this world, but by renewing your mind. As we see in verses 10-14. to For we here see the love of the Father on full display. That the Father, by sending His Son, dying on the cross and being raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sins and defeating death, He made you His. The act of forgiving you, having Jesus' death on the cross applied to your account, which we see in verses 11-14, to by Him, your debt has been paid. You are no longer enslaved to sin. For God, out of love for you, in His full Trinitarian being, made you alive. For we were dead. We were dead like Lazarus in the tomb, unable to make ourselves alive. For a dead person cannot do anything, as we see in Romans 6. Yet because of the love of God shown to His people on the cross, Christ has made His people alive. Not just a life that we live here and now, but an eternal life. One that has ramifications here on earth and eternally in heaven. For being alive means to have a new relationship with your heavenly Father. As it was back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve walked with God in the coolness of the day before sin entered into the world. When they are able to be in the presence of God. In the presence of the Lord. For there was no sin in them. And the King The King, we see that Jesus is the King that who we will be able to be with in heaven in perfect communion with Him in all of these ways by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. If you are a follower of God, He has renewed your relationship with the Father. He has given you new life in Him and He has filled your longing and has made you His. For if you are a follower of God, you are in Him. You are full because Jesus is fully God and is fully able to satisfy, to forgive your sin and to renew you. For He is the bringer of peace. For He is sufficient, which we'll see in our last few verses. But before we do, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you desire to have that emptiness in your soul filled, have that that unquenchable thirst, that unquenchable um, quest for something answered. Seek the Lord where He is found. Call upon the name of the Lord. And this day you will be saved. Pray to Him to save your soul. For like the Colossians, you have received the Gospel message. Turn to Him. Ask for the grace that He is offering freely. 
And He will forgive you. He will renew you. He will restore you. And for the first time, you will be satisfied. If you do not know Christ, look to Him. And if you do know Christ, also look to Him. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Call upon Him in prayer. When you are struggling and when the Spirit is sanctifying you, look to God's Word. Be under the teachings of God's Word so that you may seek to know Him, grow in Him as He has called you to do. Trust in Him. Rely on Him. And He will be there for you because He never sleeps. He never slumbers. For He is sufficient for you. Which brings us to the last point. In Christ, we have peace for Christ is sufficient. In the previous section, we saw Paul focus on the idea that without Him, you do not have life. That we can't trust in worldly ideas to bring us satisfaction. For in Christ and in Him only, we have peace. Peace. In our last verses 16 to 23, we see that we cannot trust in our own works and our own traditions to give us peace. These verses say this Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were will still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to the things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teaching, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You may remember a few months ago, we were in the book of Galatians. And they, like the Colossians, had false teachers and that, that were teaching not the true gospel. They were known as the Judaizers, saying that to become a Christian, you first needed to become a Jew and follow the ceremonial law. Well, these teachings seem to have reared their ugly head again. For in verses 16 to 23, the Apostle Paul, specifically in verses 16, 17, 20 to 23, he addresses these false claims. Now the ceremonial law was given by God to Moses back in the book of Exodus, explaining how the people of God were to live, to eat, to work, to celebrate, to give sacrifices etc., etc. They were all very specific laws. Laws that made them stand out among the nations and also gave them a sort of national identity. Yet when God the Father sent Jesus the Son to earth, Jesus by His life and death fulfilled the ceremonial law. 
For the ceremonial law was a shadow of the gospel to come. Each and every law, it was a pointer to what Jesus would do. And how it was fulfilled in Jesus' death on the cross. As we see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 18, Jesus says this in his Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Everything that has been given by God to the people in the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. Hebrews 10 verse 1 says this, For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true. Now this idea, this created a false Workspace salvation by people who were, by these Judaizers, they were believing that even though Christ came to fulfill the law, that you still had to do the ceremonial law. That you had to work your way to salvation. They did not see the light of Christ in the shadow of the law of Moses. They did not see in Jesus it is fulfilled. Yet Paul addresses it just a few verses earlier. All they can see was a faint glimmer of the glory of God which Christ brought. For this works-based salvation was a misunderstanding of the Old Testament. But it was all they could see. For they had not seen who Christ was. Yet no amount of works can bring us peace. For we see in Scripture, it is Christ who, by His work on the cross, brings salvation from sin. We cannot do any type of good works that will, that will save us. I say it constantly to the, to the teenagers over and over throughout many years. You could walk a thousand old women across the street, and it still would not bring one second for salvation, one second in heaven. Only the peace of Jesus can bring salvation. That only the work of Jesus on the cross brings salvation, given to you freely. Yet because of our stubbornness, we seek after teachings like the Judaizers. We seek after works-based salvation because we want to be in control. Instead of submitting control to the King of the universe, as we just saw a few verses before. We have this false idea that we are somehow smarter than the king, that we could do things better than the king. Yet it is only in Christ, Christ the king, that we have peace in our soul. For as we see in the book of Hebrews, Christ is better. Christ is better than angels. Christ is better than prophets. Christ is better than priests and kings. He is the only one who can bring true peace. He is the only one that you can have as your mediator to come before the Father on His throne for any tradition that seeks to put someone between you and Christ as your mediator, someone who seeks to put yourselves in between them, they are a false prophet. And they are bringing death and destruction upon themselves. 
So if you are in Christ or wanting to know more about Christ, beware of false teachers. Beware of false religions. Flee from humanistic philosophies. All which seek to focus on themselves more than on Christ and His work for your salvation. For in this you are satisfied while their works are empty and worthless. Christ came to be the one so that you may talk to the Father directly and not have to talk through someone else. For it is in Christ alone our hope is found. For He is our light. He is our strength. He is our song. He is the cornerstone. He is the solid ground. And we are to be rooted. We are to be established. And He is the only one who gives life. The only one who makes us full. He is the only one who gives us peace while we are at war with God. Praise be to God, the Lord, the Almighty One, the bringer of peace, the bringer of life, the bringer of fullness. The One who loved His people so much that He gave His life for them so that they may be in Him now and forevermore. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy and Almighty God, we thank You for giving us Your Word. We thank You for sending Jesus. We thank You for sending Him so that He may die on the that, so that He did die on the cross for our sin. Father, You sent Him so that He could do this once and for all, so that anyone who believes in Him will be saved. Father, thank You for this grace. Thank You for this love. Thank You for making it so that we are in Him if we know Jesus as our Savior. Father, please help us to walk according to Your Word. To know the true peace that You can only give and the fullness which You have given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and sing by responding with in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What hawks of war, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love. And righteousness Scorned by the ones He came to save Till on that cross As Jesus died The wrath of God Was satisfied For every sin On 
death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns. Or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand Well, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns Or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand have a few announcements before we close. This is a reminder, um, we have Sunday school at 1130 after the service for adults in here and for children um, in the education wing. Also, we have LifeQuest tonight at 530 for kids in fifth grade and below. Um, Also, we have a couple more announcements. Uh, We have our fall outdoor cleanup day, Saturday, October 1st, starting at 9 a.m. There's more information um, in the news bits, um, and uh, if you have more questions, please look to Mark Washacek. Um, Raquel, can you come on up? I ha- we have an announcement about a new outreach. So I know it's September, but we're going to talk about Halloween. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure most of you have heard of a trunk or treat, but in case you haven't, we are planning on having a trunk or treat, and that is where you decorate your trunk and pass out candy to kids who come along in the parking lot. We're going to be having it on October 29th, which is the Saturday before Halloween from 2 to 5. Um, I've invited some of the local businesses to join us, so there's been a lot of interest in the community already. And we're hopefully going to introduce ourselves as part of the community and introduce Harvester to... (laughs) Jesse's going to pull up some of the examples I've put together. I think it's on the last two pages. So here are some examples of trunks that are decorated. Are you following Jesus? Jesus' sweetest name I know. May the face be with you. And then there's a pirate ship where kids walk the plank. Some people set up games kind of like cornhole with their trunk. 
That is not necessary, but it's fun. And we're definitely going to be presenting the gospel. But there's already been a lot of interest in the community from several of the pool members, um, the PTA. So this is an outreach to engage with the community and kind of introduce Harvester and who we are and also show that we are part of that community. If you have any more questions, please talk to Raquel. Yes, there will be a sign-up sheet for anyone who wants to do a trunk in the narthex. Wonderful. Also, we we have another announcement. Sue, if you can come on up about talking about our church picnic. Um, Next Sunday after, um, not just uh, after Sunday school, we are going to have our church picnic and we will be doing uh, uh, pulled pork. And so I'm looking for people with crock pots who know how to use them. I need about four or five of you to do a roast. I will be purchasing the roast, but, and I'll get them to you. So if you can do that, would you please uh, chat with me? And um, next, and I also need somebody to buy buns, maybe a couple of families that could pick up the sandwich buns. Um, next week is going to supposed to be 74 degrees and only a 5% chance of rain, so it should be a good day for a picnic. And um, also not connected to the picnic, I am looking for somebody We are in the process of cleaning out our sheds in the back, and occasionally we have something that could maybe be sold online, um, but I do not have that technology. So if anybody has that technology and is not afraid to use it, please talk to me. And we have one last announcement from Mark about an evening study which is starting tonight. So you heard Dan talk about... um, Fullness and about satisfaction. Well, another word that you can use for that is flourishing. And so we have a, uh, you see in News Bites that we're starting a study this evening at 530. It'll run the same time as uh, LifeQuest, but anyone is welcome. All are welcome. We're going to start tonight meeting in room one, and we're going to look at flourishing. We, We know that we all want to flourish. We all know there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of false message, conflicting messages on how do you flourish. And, uh, and so our study is going to look at several Bible truths through that lens of following God's word and how it leads to flourishing. Wonderful. Let us now stand and receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance towards you and give you peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Go in peace.